This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. I am Patrick Avioli, and welcome to Rock Paper Pixels. We have a very special guest today, a young lady who has constructed a career from the ground up. I consider her to be a self-made woman, a strong designer and developer, and now a senior manager of integrated marketing solutions at probably the largest media company in the world. She is also an LIU Post IMA alumni. Uh, Good morning, Miss Alicia Sherwood Ray. How are you, dear? I'm good. Thank you for having me. And thank you for allowing us to do this, and thank you for joining in. I wanted to start off with you, and I always thought you had a very extremely unique career path. So if you could start off with where you came from, starting from your earliest days in, uh, I believe, Florida, and moving up to where you are now. And I don't want to give it away. I want you to tell it. Okay? (laughs) Thanks. I think I have to reach back into about eight years ago. Um, So I originally... Um, I'm from Florida, so I grew up there my entire life. Um, was very fortunate to attend a design high school where I had the opportunity to really explore fine arts and graphic design. And I think it was at that moment um, my parents actually acknowledged this newfound gift of mine and really um, helped me to unlock opportunities within the space. So from there, I matriculated to um, Florida A&M University and transferred into Florida State University, um, where I studied graphic design and studio art. Um, so those were four very important years of my life. Um, and after graduation, just like any other recent college grad, the million dollar question is, well, what are you going to do with your degree? And so, um, you know, I did anything or did the thing that the average teenager would do or young adult at the time, I found a job, a job that I wasn't really happy with. And I think two months into that job, I literally walked away with $75 in my pocket, and I moved to New York. Um, Unbelievable. Bizarre. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, this is what I, I liked about you from the first day I met you, that little story right there that you had 75 bucks in your pocket and you headed to New York City. Yeah, and I think actually a couple months after I moved to New York, I started to do some research in terms of what, you know, what I wanted to do next, and it was at that time I discovered LIU, and I actually – reached out and uh, attended one of the fairs that you guys had where I met you, Pat. I think I had my portfolio at the time, a giant um, acrylic portfolio. (laughs) I remember seeing your typography and your design and saying, what a talented young lady. And I was, I don't want to cut you off. I'll start talking. Your story is amazing. And after that, how long, where were you working at that point in time? So at that point, I was working um, for a company called MyKnobs, where I literally photographed doorknobs all day, every day for about a year. Um, And it was during that time where I was sort of kind of trying to figure out, hmm, does graduate school seem like the best move for me? And so that's when we started talking um, and I was accepted into the program, which has been an amazing opportunity from that day forth. Um, So while working full time at MyKnobs, I attended the graduate program. I think I did one semester. No, you did a year. I did a year. Yes, I, mean, I actually yeah, did a year. I think year. you did a year. Yeah, I think you nah, I'm trying to remember. You came back right on perfect sequence. So yeah. you came back in January? I believe I, I, I may have done a semester. Yeah, and I think you're right. It yes. took a year off and then came back the yes. following And it was perfect timing because you came right when spring started. Yeah. You didn't lose a week. You didn't lose a day. It was. I always knew that somewhere you were planning all of this. 
Yeah. Uh, you never made a move in the years I knew you without planning. And I think that leads to why you're where you are today. Yep. And after grad school, first of all, you were beyond a pleasure. Your work was always amazing. You had the absolute best-looking thesis project <laughs> up. It was unbelievable. I know you worked with Professor Pizziatola. I like to throw yeah. that out. Good old Anthony. And your work was stunning. The, yeah. the site was amazing. Thank and you. the nature of the site, and I never forgot it, it was Project Empowerment Nation? Yes. yes. That's amazing. I remember that. That's got to be, what, eight years? Yeah, it's about eight years ago. That's crazy. It was such a great site. It was such a great premise. We're going to talk about that later, too, your passion sure. project that you're working on now. But in the, the thing of the, the short amount of time that you did all this, after you came back, you worked in finance for that gap, right? I did work in finance. Yes. Wow. Great memory. That's all I got, Alicia. <laughs> all I got is a great. Well, you know, I don't mean to be a little cute here, but all of you guys mean something to me. I know. You're very special. Well, You're family. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, all of you guys mean something to me. There's not one of you that I don't look back on and go, okay, where's this one? Where's that one? And that's the joy of this. And people like you, when I look down this row of Columbia University, Comcast, these names, this is the, the joy of 30 years. But anyhow, let's get past that because we can always edit me out, which I like to do a lot of. And let's talk about you coming from my knobs, hysterical, to uh, unbelievable that you had to put up with that kind of stuff. On to your first step out of that was BAB? Yeah. So after doing finance for another year right, in right. New York City, I was working part time. Um, I was able to get back into the program. And from there, an opportunity with Cox Media Group opened up, which was kind of at the time my ideal job. Yeah. It was everything that I've ever wanted to do. It was design. It was web development. It was strategy. It was advertising. It was media. It was marketing. Um, and I think a part of that was also very new to me because I am not a music head. So I also had, there was a learning curve where I also had to understand the music industry. Um, working for a classic rock and pop station at the same time was ra a rather interesting experience. It was fun, but I also um, learned a lot of great skills, which I think was very important to my transition into AT&T and Comcast. Absolutely. When you would come in to show your, preses your presentations, and to the thesis groups, or all of the group, all the entire group, graduate students, and you would go through, not hard numbers, but you would really give them the the understanding that if this does not generate sales, mm -hmm. what a beautiful site you've designed. But, right. <laughs> and that's when their heads spun. Yeah. But I, do you think that year of finance helped you to understand that? It definitely did. I will say... Um, being a lover of design, media, arts, I always shied away from math. I hated numbers. And it's so funny because now I think I spend more time looking at numbers than I do design. Yep. But we're going to get into that, too. Don't forget to remind me to talk about that. Go ahead. So media math was a big part of the earlier years in my career, um, really understanding how to calculate impressions, really understanding how to calculate CPMs, you know, yeah. all of those things were just really, really important. I really had to buckle down and kind of go back to the basics. It's yeah, and that was an amazing time period. You know, it's I, I like to think of internet years as dog years. Mm -hmm. You know, what goes by in one year is really seven, the changes that go on. So you were there 
not in the early ones because you're not as anywhere near as old as I am, but you were there when things really took off in the sense of generate revenue. Sure, yeah. Because 10 years ago, let's say 08, 08 started, we all know what happened in 08, but it really came back after 08. And the, the, but there's a big question today about how media companies still are going to generate revenue. Right. B-A-B-B-L-I was Cox Media? Yes. And do they find it difficult to actually generate media in a space that was non-traditional? I mean, I think one of the challenges, and this is a challenge across the U.S., is when you're a very niche and local market, it is very, um, it's a little bit more difficult to kind of squeeze coins out of the purse. But I think what Cox um, Media as a whole did pretty well was they were very innovative and they were open and they had a very open mind in terms of content. And so there weren't any limitations. It was kind of like go big or go home. And so anything that they could attach a dollar figure to, um, to add value, they did, and they did it well. So that's everything from creating viral videos to, you know, running heavy social media campaigns to even taking a lot of their on-air, on-air contact, um, or content, rather, and then turning that into podcasts, which were huge revenue drivers for the company at the time. So I think it's a matter of getting creative and really using the tools that you have at your fingertips to really create space for productivity and also innovation and dollars to come in. Well, that's one of the things I also want to talk to you about today is we're, we're jumping, you know, we're jumping really fast ahead, which is good. You and I always spoke in shorthand. Mm-hmm. I never had to explain the whole thing to you. We just, we were almost going to like a binary level with the conversation. Yeah, it was like zero, zero, one, 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 zero. Oh yeah, I got it. And you left. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the, it's amazing. I haven't spoken to you and really how long. It's been at least eight months since we've had a conversation. At least. You were trying to get tickets for my son to see Kanye. (laughs) Which I still love you for. Uh, But, like, the the consistency of thought is what scares me with you and I. So as I'm talking, I'm going, is she going to jump right over that or not? And she will. The creativity angle. Uh Uh-huh. When you have this much data this much behavioral when you have all of this pushing towards you how do you stay does creative even matter anymore i think that's a really great question um because there is so much noise in the industry these days about ad technology data sciences ai i think creative is one of those things that kind of gets left behind because everyone's so focused on functionality and but does it just work if you're just using the data i like to think of it as a sniper kind of attack Uh because you're really pinpointing you really want to know which groups you're going to get right and you're going out there with limited resources you have x amount of time and you're trying to get as many customers, views, users as you can. Of course. But now the question with that is, when you forego what we used to call real creative, right? Getting into the product and building that brand, do you, do, does the long term, does that really actually hurt the goal in the long term? That you're just going in, grabbing what you want and running. Is there any brand building when you have this much data? 
I think it all works hand in hand. And to like my earlier point, sometimes creative gets lost in the weeds, but it's actually the most important part of any campaign, of any type of, you know, media marketing. And so what's really interesting these days is a lot of um, companies are really using data to inform creative. And so we're kind of getting back to that place where we're not forgetting about it or it's not an afterthought, but it's really working in parallel or using data and creative in parallel to really meet a common goal. And so what I'm finding in the industry is creative, um, whether it's, you know, specific to a particular audience or the type of creative that's being executed against. I think those are all important things. Um, we know video is one of the key drivers, um, within the space right now. And so we're seeing that video is doing much, much better than your static or 2D type of creative. And so with that, you're able to measure a lot, gain a lot of data, and then kind of use it in a very turnkey way to then create space for the next big win or the next success um, from a creative data marketing and advertising perspective. I want to talk more about that in one second. I just want to reintroduce you. Today we're speaking with Alicia Sherwood Wright. Senior Manager, Integrated Market Solutions for Freewheeling and M Freewheel. True? Yes. Freewheel, a Comcast company. Uh, Alicia, it's really great to speak to you again, as I just said before. But this whole angle on creative, I just want to break out of it for one second, okay? Mm -hmm. Do you know who Martin Sorrell is? No, I don't. The name sounds familiar, but I'm not. <coughs> He was the uh, big-time WPP chief. He just stepped down. Uh, I did hear years. about that. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring him up is he was old school. He was 73 when he retired, right? He's out only a couple of years, but he had this great talk called Math Men versus Mad Men. Mm. And that's really the reason why I threw that at you. The Math Men, the Data Men, are they soaring over, towering over the madmen today. Is there, a, you, you say that creative will always be king, and I really believe that and I hope that. But in this new generation of swiping into oblivion and only, what do you have now, 15 seconds, tops, 10 to yeah. capture them? Yeah. How, how, how does the, how do you have time to build a story? Do you build a story? I, so being in the industry over the last couple of years, one of the big things right now is snackable content, yep. right? Um, and so again, it's being able to create something that's attention grabbing that, but then also goes straight to the point. And I yeah. think a lot of people have a very difficult time wrapping their head around it because to your point, how do you tell a story in 30 seconds, 15 seconds or 90 seconds yeah. without missing any of the key information. And I think that's where you leverage different types of media to kind of create more of a um, holistic approach across the line, because you may be able to tell one portion of the story in one place, and then maybe tell the other half of the story long form in another space. So again, it's really just having strategy and numbers behind your efforts to really inform how you should be executing said creative or said content. It's, it's, a, it's the never-ending teaser campaign. Right. It's the give me 10 seconds. Who shot Jr. whatever that was, or the perils of Pauline from the 1920s. Yep. I love going back to circle and watching this stuff. Edison, uh, I have tremendous opinion on that gentleman, 
But Edison, in his first setup of, I think it was called the Black Mariah, his original movie studio, Menlo Park, Mm -hmm. they had these tiny, tiny rooms with a camera, a director, and actors. And then you moved over two inches, another room, another room, another room, another room. You may be familiar with Big Think. Mm -hmm. That's how they started in 2006, 2008. And my thing is that we're going circular now. We're going back. Are we actually going back to the earliest days of radio and TV with these ongoing serials, these ongoing thoughts of how to sell this product? We've now kind of intertwined. You know, I love Lucy sitting there smoking Winston's and telling the story, you know, product placement. How integrated are we getting with these products because of the limited amount of time and focus the user gives us you know you can't go deep you can now go wide no i think you bring up a great point what we're seeing a lot of um in the industry right now is influencer marketing so Mm. really taking the authentic um one's authentic self to really tell a story. So you'll find, and I'm sure you've seen a ton of this, but you'll find that a lot of brands are leaning more towards that authentic storytelling. Um, You know, for instance, there's a ton of blogs out there of makeup artists and, you know, girls who are just playing in their bathroom, putting on lipstick and somehow have managed to generate income because L'Oreal's reaching out or Dove's reaching out and saying, hey, we'll send you our product if you do a review. And that for them becomes a turnkey marketing strategy, which drives revenue on both sides. So again, I think authenticity is one of the key drivers right now in terms of how we're creating content. And really, if you think about, you know, movie studios or just even film studios and agencies, there's not a ton of budget there anymore. Um, I think a lot of them have experienced over the last couple of years, um, an instance where overhead gets cut. And so they have to get super creative. And now I think they're leaning on their brand ambassadors to truly tell their story in a very authentic way um, and then sharing that across very specific audiences. Uh, I love, all right, this is what makes me laugh a little bit internally is listening to you and how incredibly professional and how much in-depth you have on this and how every one of your words is not superfluous. They are so timed and perfect. Yeah, you got a handle on this business, kid. It's amazing. Uh, I'm sitting here. I want to just take notes. It's amazing how well, you know, it's amazing the amount of information you put out in in two minutes and how (laughs) unconfusing and straight to the point. It's so nice to hear. Uh, What you're saying is also, to me, fascinating uh, because as these brands adopt these ambassadors, it becomes Andy Warhol's that every person is famous for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Now we just have to drop it to 15 seconds. Is that what the Logan Pauls are, are living on today? These these amazing amounts of uh, brand sponsorship or 15-second clips that are out there. Well, Alicia, how, how confusing is this for you guys to manage? It's, it's, a, it's a challenge. Um, and I think there is no methodology, there's no, no formula that will allow one to truly feel confident that they're doing this the right way. And so it's about taking risks. Um, It's about being open. And one of the things that I've learned is really bringing an entrepreneurship mindset into the workplace. So being an entrepreneur um, within, you know, a large media company does 
essentially get you very far. I think that's one of the things I learned very early at Cox. It was like, well, if you have an idea, put it on the table. Um, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll move on to the next thing. So you're and, becoming your own business person. Absolutely. In this space, because you know that there is no clear route anymore. Yeah. This is not martini lunches and then the client will do it. This is constantly showing return for the client. If not, they're moving on. Exactly. No, and I, I think you're you're right on the money. It's really just going out there and really being confident about what it is that you want and, and really honing in on the opportunities you see out there. I think a lot of times we become beholding to the business and really staying within our swing lane. And sometimes you really have to deviate from that in order to gain those big wins that really drive revenue and just drive opportunities. Overall. And there, there are no excuses. No excuses at all. I had yeah, to learn that very quickly. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm smelling from this right now is that there's absolutely no excuses. Nope. And it's a very tough space. It's a very tough landscape. And you're obviously playing with the very, very, the biggest names in media today. Yeah. It is Freewheel, a Comcast company is what the proper name is, right? Right. And its structure is ad management. Explain a little bit, if you could, about Freewill. Sure. So Freewill actually started out as a startup company, and then they were acquired by Comcast. And Freewill's whole value prop is they create really robust ad technology that drives advanced TV advertising as well as advanced linear advertising. Um, they also have some really great ad management tools. And so their core focus is on technology. And so for me, this is a very pivotal time in our industry because if you think about it, everything is flying on autopilot. Everything is being automated. And from there, that automation should be able to gather and then spit out data. Um, so just to kind of go into my role, I spend a lot of time now looking at numbers, but as well as um, identifying opportunities for the business to drive revenue through our product creation. So our product line, our suite of products, and how we're really positioning ourselves in the marketplace as your leaders in advertising technology for both linear TV and digital. It's amazing. It must be moving so quickly. And you must, it's like jumping into a river at full speed, right? Right, it is. And you've got to constantly manage it. One of the things that uh, I was always amazed about with you is that entrepreneurial or, as you said, entrepreneurial spirit. You always seem to hit the ground, grab the pieces that need to work, and go forward at, at a very good, strong, and amazing pace. How What has the arc been for you from your days at, uh, let's say, Cox Media, right? How when did you do there and, and when did you start there and where are you, you know, right now you're at Comcast. What's the time frame in there? So I would say I've probably spent the last maybe six or seven years just really pivoting. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's almost like I'm honing in on my craft. And once I feel confident, I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and so I've got that go-getter mentality. I mean, again, mm -hmm. I did move here from Florida. I'm a big risk taker. Yeah. Um, and so I'm using these experiences not only to move the needle, but really just to kind of put me in a space where I'm able to take those same skill sets and really apply them in another industry. Um, because I do like to consider myself a lifelong learner. Yeah. Um, without that, I don't think anyone would survive the industry. And so it's almost like I'm not a bandwagonist, but I do like to kind of jump on the next thing that's hot and the next thing is trending. And right now it's ad tech. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of uh, alumni 
uh, that is in that space as well. I'm going to just reintroduce you one more time, if that's okay. Today we're talking with Alicia Sherwood-Ray, Senior Manager of Integrated Market Solutions at Freewheel, a Comcast company, and an IMA, LIU Post, IMA alumni. Uh, you do definitely hit the ground running. You do take a tremendous passion into all of your work, and I've noticed that for all of the years that I've known you. Uh, the ad tech space today as you've defined it so far, is that it is moving at a speed that, like the rapids, and you had better jump in, you had better swim first, and you had better have a good understanding of the powers that be and also the forecoming skill sets. I think that's always been an amazing trait of you, and I can't think of anybody else more perfect for the job that you're describing right now. I really think your your ability to learn so quickly, your ability, as you said, to be a lifelong learner. But what's really funny is you were also a lifelong teacher. As yeah. an adjunct, when you came in, I know it was in between jobs and you had to leave. When you came in for just a couple of those days and then you had to move on, you were going from Cox to AT&T, right? Yep, that's correct. They were crying <laughs> when I told them she's not coming back. They were very, very upset. Uh, that was the, fun. That was a fun time. It, well, you were the way you commanded a room was it was amazing. It, it really was. Uh, I would imagine what you're doing meetings, kid. Uh, very strong. But I want to go into this last segment because I know you have uh, a little bit of limited time. I want to go into the last section about your passion project that you're currently working on. Originally, you had done. Uh, Project Empowerment Nation as your thesis project, which showed a, a sense of community and community organization and helping people. Your new project that you're working on right now, if you could define that for us, introduce what the name is, and let's have you talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so the new project that I'm actually working on, it's four weeks old. It's called Black-Owned Long Island. Um, and you know, very similar to what you said, I'm always, for whatever reason, involved in community efforts. I think my entire life has been centered around helping people. That's how I met my husband. We volunteered together at the Urban League. And so a lot of our efforts, a lot of the time that we spend outside of work is really dedicated towards helping people and moving us all um, towards a common goal. So Black on Long Island was birthed from um, a need for consumers across all Long Island, to be quite honest with you, to locate support and amplify Black-owned businesses. We are not to get into politics, but we understand the climate of our country right now. And so there is a very high demand, especially from the African-American community, to find, locate, um, and celebrate, as well as patronize Black-owned businesses. And so Long Island being um, one of those spaces where we're still to be honest with you, struggling with the idea of diversity, um, I realized that there was nowhere for consumers that preferred to shop black or buy black. There was no real centralized location for them to find that information that they were looking for. And so my idea is to essentially build out what I'm calling, for lack of better words, the black Yelp, where you can search, um, rate, and essentially get information on Black-owned businesses that are specifically on Long Island. And to be quite honest, it's actually interesting because over the last four weeks, I've been spending a lot of time doing some research online and actually visiting various locations. And I've been able to discover over 100 Black-owned businesses that were almost unknown on the island. Amazing. Uh, you know, as I'm listening to you, I know you're 
initiative. I know that when you take something on, it's going to be real. I know your personality. I know what how smart you are and how quickly you maneuver and change direction if needed. And I got to ask you this question at the end of this, and we could probably edit this out if you don't like it. How long until you look at politics, Alicia? <laughs> That's so funny. I want to say that I'm leaving that up to my husband. But, oh, um, yes. No, you know. <laughs> no. I, I know Brandon, right? Yeah, Brandon. I know. I'm going to ask the question again. How long until you go into politics, Miss Alicia Sherwood-Ray? You know, I, I don't know. I can't say never, but I will say that a lot of what I'm doing moves the needle within that space. And so I, I don't know. I'm open. You know, there's no guessing with me what might happen. Um, so I'll, I'll never say never. You'll be the first one to know. Right? <laughs> You'll give me a call. You'll text me. I'll text uh, you. I would, not be a, I would not be stunned. I would not be stunned if I was one day that that ad banner came up of your name running for something on the island. I, I wouldn't be stunned at all. Uh, and you always have been uh, just an amazing person. And your climb, your ascent, and how well you know this space and how much trust Comcast and companies of this level have put in you in a short amount of time. I don't mean to be gushy here, but there was something about you from the first day I met you that I was like, okay, this one we don't have to worry about. Let's just get her a seat and we'll go forward. <laughs> and then the, and that's why you, you know, people think you allow or you request or you ask people to adjunct for you because this is nepotistic friends network. If you remember Andrea Urist, did you have her? No, no, I did not. Andrea was the most amazing, brilliant person I've ever dealt with. And she thought I was a complete and utter idiot. And she would tell me that whenever she had a chance. But the thing about Andrea was she was brilliant. Yeah. And yes, I mean, I whatever her opinion of me was, she was brilliant. You were brilliant. You are brilliant. Angela, Anthony, yeah. John, all of these people who came into the program to teach, it was never because they liked me or that I was their friend. You guys were amazing. And yeah. look at where you are now. Yeah. And it's, I just actually wanted to take an opportunity just to even thank you. I don't know if I've ever had a chance to formally thank you, but I think one of the things that you do so well effortlessly is creating space, creating space for innovation, creating space for us to thrive, providing the resources. I, I remember sitting with you in the classroom, just kind of going over ideas that seemed crazy. And you're, you're always very supportive and really managed to have all the answers sometimes, which is scary. Um, you know, your level of thinking, I think, is what we need more of in institutions um, across the nation, because you're you are almost thinking way ahead than the, you know than the industry. It's like you're on ad tech, and everyone's still focused on blogs. And so, you know, I, I appreciate all that you've brought to the table because certainly through this program, um, I definitely did develop some really amazing skills and the confidence I needed to really go out there, put myself on the map, and hone in all, all these opportunities. I remember you talking about pitch decks. I had no idea what that meant. Um, and after going through the exercise, I was like, oh my god, this is exactly what I need to thrive, not only on a day-to-day, -day, but if I'm really trying to position myself to win. So I, I appreciate you for that. 
Yeah, we'll be able to edit all that out, just so you know. <laughs> no, thank you very much. Many times people said I should be institutionalized. Trust me. <laughs> that has been a recommendation that's come across many times over the years. I can't believe, right, I can't believe we've been talking for a half an hour. Bill throws up the rap sign to me right away, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just about to do that. Uh, this is why we can't go get coffee, because it'll be Monday morning. <laughs> when we when we wake up. Anyhow, listen, I want to say right away, thank you so much for taking the time today. I truly appreciate you squeezing me in to do this, this half an hour podcast. It's wonderful. And I'm going to end up with my new rap slogan. I like this. Before you do, do it back so. Just okay. say again, we oh, yeah. were talking with. We were talking with today Alicia Sherwood Ray, senior manager Integrated Market Solutions, Freewheel, a Comcast company. And, Alicia, I want you to clearly state if you have any website for your passion project. Is there anything up that people can see yet? Sure. So you can visit www.blackownedlongisland.com or you can follow me on Instagram at blackownedli. Excellent. Very good. And as I like to start saying from now on, pencils down. What did we learn today? Uh, we learned that data is pushing heavily into all forms of advertising, all forms of media. We have learned that even though we're being assaulted or washed up with a tremendous amount of data and information, creative, true creative will never go away. And how we need to learn how to manage this new space is probably the most difficult part, but a true creative will look at anything laying around and learn how to put those pieces together. A designer by nature solves problems. They will see what we may consider a mess, may consider disorder, and that pattern recognition in the brain will put everything together properly, and all of a sudden you have a new solution to a problem that you've been staring at. Uh, I don't think media is going to change that much in the future. Would you agree with that, dear? I, I do. I, I do. But the delivery platform is what's going to jump and dance and move around like uncontrollable. Exactly. And the user, the viewer. I, I don't know where else they're going to be looking at video. We have the train. We have the house. We have the car. We're going to have what next? The gym, obviously. Anywhere they are, they're online looking at video. True? It's all about the screen. It's all about the screen. Uh, I, I cannot, I don't want this to end, and that's terrible, but I'm going to give you a 10-minute out. Uh, again, Alicia Sherwood Ray, thank you so much for doing this today. And I don't need to say best of luck. I don't need to say continued success. That's going to be a given. And I just want to thank you very much, dear. This was very pleasant. Thank you, Pat, for creating space. I appreciate you. Have a good one, dear. You too. Bye-bye. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.